So when you hear that cry in the sky... Hi, folks. The program originally canceled for this time will now be heard. Better McGee and Molly! Well, hello. Come right in. Oh, George, we've got company. Well, it's Tuesday night again. Time for another pleasant visit with George Burns and Gracie Allen. Ladies and gentlemen, after ten years, radio gets its revenge. We now present a program that will scare Orson Welles. <laughs> From Hollywood, Procter & Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose and his orchestra, The Four Knights, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGee, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. And now, here is your guide to these adventures of the mind... There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this morning. OCR Now, here is OCR Who's that one? Jimmy Beach. Uh-oh. Sig Wellington from the Bijou Theater. Oh, well, let him in. I think he's very nice. Yeah, you think he's nice because he bows and kisses your hand. One of these days, you'll find your ring finger missing. Now, Mr. Wellington is a very cultivated man. I wish I'd been running the cultivator when they did it, too. One of these days, I'm going to get it. Now, be nice, dearie. Come in. Oh, good day, Mr. Wellington. What a pleasant surprise. Good day, Mrs. McGee. I trust the occasion finds you in good health. He trusts the occasion finds her in good health. <laughs> Rabbit feathers. <laughs> he thinks he's a regular Chesterfield, and he sounds like he rolls his own. Now, don't criticize, McGee. Remember, you're not any Sir Walter O'Reilly yourself. <laughs> good manners never got Sir Walter anyplace, anyway. The last time he bowed, they parted his neck with an axe. Withstanding, may I sit down, Sissy? Then joke. Notwithstanding, I think my wife Cynthia summed it up very well when she said good manners are the outward symbol of an inward humility. See? No, thank you. With cream and sugar, please. <laughs> what was it you wanted, Wellington? I'm very busy today going over a lot of bank statements. Well, that won't take you long, dear. You've got less balance than a summer resort card table. <laughs> In that case, I feel that my arrival is singularly apro. Shall we say... Oh. <laughs> uh, what do you say we do? <laughs> hey everyone, this is OTR Rob, and that was Ransom Sherman playing Sigmund Wellington, the manager and operator of the Bijou Theater. Fibber, of course, doesn't like him, but Molly thinks he's very charming, and he's very quirky in many ways, especially in his speech. You know, I really like the character of Ransom Sherman. I, I don't think he really had good management, or else he probably would have been a regular on Pippin McGee and Molly after the war. But uh, he kind of vanished into somewhat obscurity and actually stayed in the Chicago area um, doing small radio parts and eventually hosting his own morning show. Anyway, I, I just think, I just like the character. I think he's just very quirky and, and fits in nicely in a roundabout way on Pippin McGee and Molly. So enjoy this episode from December 7th, 1943. And the episode, I didn't realize it was December 7th, 1943. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, and the episode is entitled, The War is Not Almost Over, if that makes any sense. And I'll be back with Burns and Allen. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> Thank you.
The makers of Johnson's Wax, Johnson's Car New, and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coats present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. <laughs> In our audience tonight, I'm sure there are many business and industrial executives relaxing a bit from a busy day. The greatly increased responsibility of these men in war production is known to all of us. Their jobs are as important, as vital as any. Nearly every large manufacturer is engaged in some part of war work, directly or indirectly. The last time I went through the Johnson's Wax Laboratories and plant, I was surprised to learn in how many places there is a need now, greater than ever before for protective wax finishes and coatings. Special finishes have been developed for protection against water, weather, and corrosion, for planes, ships, automobiles, trucks, trains, for metals, wood, rubber, and leather. Even special paints containing wax have been perfected. So in many ways, the protective uses of Johnson's wax products have been extended into manufacturing and industrial plants throughout the country. Any manufacturer having a protective finishing problem related to war production is invited to discuss this problem with S.C. Johnson & Son, Racine, Wisconsin, or S.C. Johnson & Son Limited, Brantford, Canada. We'd like to present several interesting figures tonight. One, those in the stubs of our hero's checkbook. And two, Fibber McGee and Molly. Heavenly days, McGee. This checkbook of yours is simply a mess. If you're talking about that counter check for 18 cents that was made out to the public library, I, I had to do that. I kept the Rover boys on the Mississippi six days too long. <laughs> well, there's no countercheck listed here for 18 cents. Well, come to think of it, I guess I forgot to enter it. <laughs> How much I got in my account, according to the stubs? Well, according to the stubs, dearie, $16,000 and, uh, uh, let's see now, let's see what it says, $16,482.08. Oh, yeah. Gee. How much I got according to the bank statement? Well, you're overdrawn a dollar ten. <laughs> Most likely, the correct balance is somewhere between those two figures. Probably. Yeah. Being overdrawn won't help your credit any, you know. Well, no bank has got any right to depredize a man's financial standing with a mistake like that there. I think I'll tell them off. Hand me the phone. Okay, here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me the 14th National Bank at Wistful Mert. Is that you, Mert? Navigator to pilot, you're off your course. Oh, how's every little thing, Mert? What's eh? What say, Mert? Your brother. <laughs> In the guardhouse, eh? Well, he shouldn't have shot it off without orders. His rifle, dearie? No, his mouth. <laughs> what, say, Mert? Okay, give me to him. Hello, 14th National? Give me Mackenzie, the head cashier. Huh? What do you mean he's out to lunch? That guy don't eat lunch. They just toss him some fish food once a week. You better be nice to the bank, McGee. Why should I be nice? Hello? Who is this? Oh, well, look, Onderdonk. Uh, this is Fibber McGee, and you made a mistake in my bank balance. 
Your figures don't check with mine. A lot of fuss about a mere 16,000. Uh, what say, Andre Dunk? Yeah, according to your statement, I'm overdrew a dollar and ten cents. Huh? Oh, I thought so. Okay. He says there's a note on his desk about that. They, they caught the mistake. Yeah. These are strange times we're living in, dear. You know, when a bank admits being wrong. Well, they got no right to do it. Hello, Andre Dunk. What's the correct balance? Huh? <laughs> Well, I knew you were way off. Okay. Thanks, Onderdonk. Talk about me not being able to add. Well, what is your balance? I'm overdrawn ten dollars and one cent. <laughs> Fine, you'll have to stop going in there to swipe pinpoints till you make it up, you know. No, I never went in there to swipe any Who's that I wonder? Let me peek. Uh-oh. Sig Wellington from the Bijou Theater. Oh, well let him in. I think he's very nice. Yeah, you think he's nice because he bows and kisses your hand. One of these days, you'll find your ring finger missing. Now, Mr. Wellington is a very cultivated man. I wish I'd been running the cultivator when they did it, too. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to get it. Now, be nice, dearie. Come in. Oh, good day, Mr. Wellington. What a pleasant surprise. Good day, Mrs. McGee. I trust the occasion finds you in good health. He trusts the occasion finds her in good health. <laughs> Rabbit feathers. <laughs> he thinks he's a regular Chesterfield, and he sounds like he rolls his own. Now, don't criticize, McGee. Remember, you're not any Sir Walter O'Reilly yourself. <laughs> good manners never got Sir Walter anyplace, anyway. The last time he bowed, they parted his neck with an axe. Withstanding. May I sit down, Sissy? Then joke. Notwithstanding, I think my wife Cynthia summed it up very well when she said good manners are the outward symbol of an inward humility. See? No, thank you. With cream and sugar, please. <laughs> what was it you wanted, Wellington? I'm very busy today going over a lot of bank statements. Well, that won't take you long, dear. You've got less balance than a summer resort card table. <laughs> In that case, I feel that my arrival is singularly apro. Shall we say po? Uh, what do you say we do? Why, Mr. Wellington? Tell me, has Mr. McGee signed the book in the lobby of the Bijou Theater, Clean Entertainment for the Entire Family, Bargain Rates for Servicemen, Our Ushers Do Not Accept Tips While the Lights Are On, for the Weekly Prize Drawing? Why, we're both registered. Now, don't tell me we won a prize, Wellington. That I couldn't stand. I've been signed up for Kino, Bino, Screeno, and Free China ever since DeMille discovered the bathtub. <laughs> All I ever won, you could stick under your eyelid, and you could still go on repairing watches. In that case, my dear fellow, it gives me unbounded pleasure, except that my pleasure is bounded on four sides by the wish that someone else had won, to apprise you that last night your name was drawn for the third prize of $60. Heavenly day, $60. Won't the bank be pleased? My God, six of this smacker. Mm. You know, Wellington, before you came in, I was telling Molly what a great guy you were. Square shooter. Now you take Wellington, I says. Who's Wellington, she says. Oh, dear. Who's Wellington, I yells. Why, he's the finest upstanding as... You've got that a little wrong, dearie. Huh? You simply told me to take Wellington, period. Well, I meant... Come, but... come now. Let us conclude this affair amicably, my friends. <clears throat> Mr. McGee, on behalf of the Bijou Theater, Sigmund Lafayette Wellington, manager, it gives me great pleasure to present you, one of our patrons of long standing in the lobby, with the sum... <laughs> with the sum of $60 in cash, which I... which I... 
seem to have left on my desk at the theater. Oh, dear. Oh, my gosh. I'll run down there for you, Wellington, and save you... Unnecessary, my dear fellow. I shall send it over here immediately by Miss Crenshaw, my secretary. Harry? I'd like to, but I can't, my dear. <laughs> and I assure you, Miss Crenshaw will be right over. Pip, pip, Mrs. McGee, and a pip of a pip to you. Pop. <laughs> Billy Mills in the orchestra playing American Patrol. bucks right out of the blue sky. You know what I'm going to do with it, Molly? What? First thing we're going to do when the weather opens up is load up the car and hit the grit for Yellowstone Park. I'll bet Load we... up what car? One of them new post-war jobs I've been reading about in the science magazine. <laughs> At the barbershop. <laughs> Made out of soybeans. You better take that $60 and buy war bonds. What do you mean, war bonds? The war's practically over. Don't you read the papers? Yes, I do. And from all I can see, the fighting may be going on for a long, long time. Ah, you're just an alarmist, Molly. I tell you that the war... Come in, General Eisenhower. (laughs) How do you do? Is Mr. McGee here? I'm him, sis. And if it's Christmas cards you're selling, we don't need any. I make my own. Oh, you'll need a few, McGee. Hmm? Some of the cards we got last year have the names engraved on them. You can't erase them. <laughs> I am not selling Christmas cards, Mrs. McGee. I am Miss Crenshaw from Mr. Wellington's office. He sent you this money. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Oh, thanks, sis. Will you please sign this receipt? You sign, McGee. I'll count the money. Okay. <laughs> this your usual form? No, I'm usually 12 pounds heavier, but since the shortage of butter... No. <laughs> I meant the receipt. Oh, well, Sig wouldn't ask me to sign anything wrong. Here you are, sis. McGee, there's only $50 here. What? He says the prize was 60 bucks. It was $60, sir. But he deducted $10 for repairing the screen. Huh? He said you got excited one night and tried to save Hopalong Cassidy's life by throwing your umbrella at a cattle rustler. <laughs> Good day. 
Why, that they're only 50 bucks. Well, you can still buy two bonds at 1875, McGee, and stamps for the rest. Yeah, what's good that's going to do that, anybody? <laughs> Who well, can do anything with that? Well, multiplied by 100 million people, that's a lot of support. Or are you trading in your citizenship for a soybean convertible? Now, listen here, Molly. I'm as good a citizen as anybody. Just because I plan for the future is no time... Come in. Oh, Dr. Gamble. Hello, Doctor. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, short, stout, and nervous. <laughs> Look who's calling somebody stout. <laughs> You've ruined more scales than a locker room tenor, Doc. Hey, look, Doc. Fifty bucks. Very pretty, McGee. Yeah. Your life savings, I presume. <laughs> he wanted in a drawing at the Bijou Theater, Doctor. I want him to buy war bonds, but he's going to use it for a down payment on a post-war car made out of lima beans. <laughs> Soybeans. Yes. Yeah. According to McGee, everybody will be raising their own trucks in their own truck gardens. You just toss in a bean and boom, up comes a Buick. Okay, okay, okay. Scoff if you want to. Deride. But now that the war is about over... Now that the war is what? About over, he says. Certainly. One of these days, Germany will fall apart like a wet donut. McGee, then... you talk like a ninny. Who talks like a nanny? I resist no, that. No, he said ninny, McGee. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead, Doc. I knew that information pleas had never pleaded for your services, but I didn't think you were stupid enough to think the war was anywhere near over. What's the matter with you, Doc? Don't you read the papers? Can't you see Germany's about ready to fold up? And after Germany, we can bomb the Junior out of Tokyo. He's really a military expert, Doctor. He was wounded in France in the last war, you know. Cut himself peeling potatoes. <laughs> Which side were you fighting on, McGee? What do you mean, which side? American, of course. And why don't you stay on our side? If a few million people of your type read a happy headline and start sitting back in their unrationed britches, posterity will be doing goose steps for the next thousand years. You ought to make a campaign ribbon out of a shoestring for people like you with a button that says he wanted to fight the war on this. Fathead. <laughs> I'm afraid Doc's working too hard. He gets excited about things. I'm going to ask him to go to Yellowstone with us next summer. Do him good to get away. You better get that new car first. You know, the one made out of jelly beans? It's soybeans. Oh, yeah, soybeans. Boy, they're sure doing wonderful things with that stuff. One of these days, we'll just sit here in a chair and press a soybean button in the wall, and the roof will fold back, and we'll hop into our soybean coolie hopter. No, <laughs> no. Huh? You don't mean coolie hopter. You mean holly cooper. <laughs> that, that, that don't sound right, either. It's, it's crowley heater. No, no. Really hot. Well, anyway, they'll all be made out of soybeans. Remember way back when Farmer Rust back in Chicago? You said Hello, folks. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Junior. What you looking so happy about? I found it for you. Found what, Mr. Wilcox? That little dog with the blue eyes. Oh, where'd you find it, Mr. Wilcox? Well, look. I went to a nightclub last night, and when I came out, I was feeling no pain, see? <laughs> and, and there was this little dog with the blue eyes following me home. Well, I just laughed and thought nothing of it. Yeah? So this morning, when I went out of the house, there it was on the porch. I went back in and took some aspirin. When I came out again, it was still there. Gee, I wish you'd take it, pal. Oh, no, no, thanks, Junior. Not now. You 
You you sure you feel all right now? It's a real dog, I tell you. Yes, yes, of course it is. Don't you worry about it, Mr. You, you need to get away from things for a while, Junior. How about going with us to Yellowstone Park this summer? We can take turns driving. Driving what? You haven't got a car and I haven't enough gas. Well, he's getting a post-war automobile, Mr. Wilcox, made out of jumping beans. <laughs> Soybeans. Hey, uh, what'll they make motorboats out of? Navy beans? <laughs> Well, I don't know what either of you are talking about, but there won't be any new cars or any travel next summer for me or you either. You know what I'm telling my customers? We know what you've been telling them for ten years, Mr. Wilcox. Is there any difference? Well, yes, a slight one. I'm telling them this war may be on for a long time yet, so as long as they can't travel, they might as well protect their luggage by giving it a Johnson Wax treatment before they stow it away. McGee says that by next summer... And I also tell them that with household help so hard to get, they can save themselves hours of housework and time and trouble by waxing their lampshades and windowsills and floors and woodwork with Johnson's Wax. You sure you don't want that blue-eyed dog? <laughs> no, we don't, Junior. And furthermore, I don't think there is any such thing as a blue-eyed dog. Neither do I. No. Well, okay. So long. <laughs> Come on, blue eyes. <laughs> Junior must have been showing Ramsey the town last night. <laughs> hey, mark him down to go with us to Yellowstone next summer. He'll go when he sees things, house when things won't shape up. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's us and Dr. Gamble and Mr. Wilcox. Gotcha. If you invite many more people, you better get a trailer, too, made out of string beans. <laughs> it's soybeans, I tell you. String beans are no good for... Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. McGee. Hello, Alice, dear. Hi, Alice. Did we wake you up, Alice? Oh, no, my dear. I just woke up with a start because I just thought what to get you for Christmas, so I ran downstairs to tell you, but it wouldn't be fair to tell you, so I guess I'll go back to bed. Oh. <laughs> now, Alice, you mustn't get us anything. Now, Molly, the kid ought to know her own mind, shouldn't she? Gee whiz, nice thoughts like that should ought to be encouraged. What's you getting this, Alice? <laughs> well, I might as well tell you. I'm getting you what I'm giving everybody else this year, a war bond. Uh, were there any phone calls for me? Yes, Oswald called, and uh, let me see. So did Arthur and Kenneth, and uh, who else, Gary? A fellow named Nittany. I was wondering if he was any relation of a guy I was in vaudeville with named Fred Nittany from Star Rock, Illinois. Oh, I don't think so, Mr. McGee. This is Abercrombie Nittany, and he's strictly from Hunger, Oklahoma. <laughs> Odd name, though, Nittany. You don't hear it very often. Mm, about once a week on an average. <laughs> <laughs> well, this man is a man that he's the athletic director at the airplane plant, and he's always wanting me to join the girls' wrestling team. They say I'm the pin-down girl of the year. <laughs> you steer clear of those athletic guys, Alice. Those muscle-bound Romeos think they're showing you a wonderful evening if they can lift the dining room table with their teeth. Well, I always say that a young girl can't be too careful about what fellow she goes out with. And I guess I never told you, but I was terribly disappointed in loved ones about three years ago. Oh, you were? Yes. He shot himself. He shot himself? Yes. With a little brownie camera. 
<laughs> and when he sent me a print, I was terribly disappointed. He was lying down with a tree on top of him, and I don't like a fellow which he's always clowning around. Lying down with a tree on top? Maybe he was leaning against a tree, and you were holding the picture sideways. Well, for goodness sakes, maybe I was. <laughs> maybe I won't have to send his ring back after all. Well, goodbye now. King's Men singing an American medley. Off we go into the wild blue yonder, climbing high into the sun. Here they come, swimming to meet our thunder. Adam boys, give it a gun. What do you do in the infantry? You march, you march, you march. What do you do when your back is cut? Your back is in the starch. The rest of the army is riding, riding through a triumphal arch. But what do you do when the infantry, brother, you keep right on doing the same as you do when you march? Hey, 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 praise the Lord, pass the ammunition. Praise the Lord, we're not a college mission. Praise the Lord, and pass the ammunition, and we'll fight the freight. Soybean stuff serious, Molly. I'm telling you, it's the coming thing. In the post-war world... Oh, for goodness sakes, come in. Well, I'll be... Heavenly days, Mayor Latrivia. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. Well, what are It's awfully nice to see you again, Mr. Latrivia. Oh, thanks. It's nice to see you again. You really look salty in that Coast Guard uniform, kid. <laughs> look like a combination of Flash Gordon, Superman, and Brian Donlevy. <laughs> <laughs> and healthy, too. Uh, say, why don't you join the Coast Guard, McGee? Don't you get tired of holding your chest in your lap? <laughs> I'm afraid he's a little overage, Mrs. McGee. It's pretty strenuous. Oh, don't worry about that, Latrivia. I can take it. I got as much wind now as I had when I was 20. More. <laughs> Going to be in town long? No, no, McGee. In fact, I hope to be shipped out any day now. This is more or less of a farewell visit. 
Probably won't see you again for the duration. Oh, dear, I'm sorry. What do you mean, shipped out? Who's going to guard the coast if the Coast Guard goes away? <laughs> well, we don't all go away, McGee. Don't forget, in wartime, the Coast Guard is in the first line of duty. We take the Marines and the Army where they're needed and put them ashore. Uh, what have you been doing, McGee? Oh, I've been working on some post-war plans, Trivia. On account of this thing, it's going to be over any day now. Oh, but... don't talk nonsense, McGee. Nobody knows how long it's going to last. That's what everybody's been telling him, Mr. Latrivia. Now, don't you go giving me that expert business, Latrivia. Just because you spent a few hours hanging over the rail of a PT boat. <laughs> Say, uh, what is a PT boat? That's a boat that was donated by the Parent Teachers Association. <laughs> Ain't it Latrivia? No. Oh. PT stands for Patrol Torpedo. Light draft and very speedy. Those are the boats they say can do 60 knots an hour on wet grass. Don't even need water. Just a little humidity. Mm. Well, how many uh, did the parents and teachers donate? Oh, I don't know. I suppose they, they didn't did. donate any. At least I don't think they did. Did you ever inquire? Well, no, no. I don't go around making silly inquiries like that. What's so silly about the parent teachers donating boats to the Navy, Latrivia? Haven't you got any appreciation? Of course I have. Or I, I would have if I was sure the Parent Teachers Association had donated any. Oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> well, I don't know why, Mr. Latrivia. I think it's a mighty fine thing to do myself. I can't understand your attitude, Latrivia. Surely you must have had parents. And teachers. Of course I did. I merely stated that PT doesn't stand for parent teachers. The heck it don't. My sister belongs to them. And I'll bet they'd be pretty burned up if they knew how you Coast Guard guys felt about their generosity, Latrivia. Wait till I tell my sister. I didn't say anything about their generosity. I only said that a patrol teacher, I mean a parent torpedo, uh, you said that PT stood for one thing and I said it stood for another. Why should a vessel donate a teacher, uh, a parent? Why do I let you get me into these things? Why do you let us get you in? We didn't get you in. You enlisted and you know it. <laughs> I wasn't talking about my enlistment. Well, why not? It's nothing to be ashamed of. Oh. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm proud of it. I love it. I really came in here to say goodbye to you. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> you, uh, you dropped something, McGee. Huh? Oh, oh, thanks. Just a block of dough. I want it to be you theater. $50. Well, well, well. There must be a power that watches over me. Hand it here, McGee. Hand what where? The 50. I'll take it. You'll take it. What's the idea, Latrivia? Come, come, McGee. Don't pretend you don't remember. Remember what, Mr. Latrivia? I'll wager, Mrs. McGee. This is December 7th. Two years ago today, your husband bet me $50 the war would be over in two years. Oh, my gosh. I remember that, McGee. I remember. Pay off, dearie. Ah, thank you. Well, gee whiz. <laughs> my gosh. Dragging that matter up after all this time. Well, if uh, you're going to see Mr. Latrivia, what do you need money for? A very good question, Mrs. McGee. I don't need it. Look, will you do something for me? Uh, what's that? Take this money and buy war bonds in my name. When I come back after the war, I can use it. Besides, I can't think of a better Christmas present for Uncle Sam. Oh, uh, by the way, McGee, try one of these, will you? What is it? It's a sample concentrated sea biscuit a friend of mine is experimenting with. Oh. If it's a success, he'll give the formula to the government. Uh, try it, McGee. Okay. <laughs> oh, you, uh, you don't like it? Oh, that's awful. What's it made of, Mr. Latrivia? Soybeans. Awesome. <laughs> 
Spending as much time as I do in kitchens, I certainly take my hat off to linoleum manufacturers. They've really made a big contribution toward keeping our homes cheerful and bright. Naturally, they are interested in having your linoleum give the best service possible. Now, if you ask the company that made your linoleum how to take care of it, you know what they'd say, don't you? First, don't scrub it. Continuous scrubbing wears linoleum out prematurely, breaks it down. Linoleum makers recommend that you protect your linoleum, printed, inlaid, or plain, with a floor polish like Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. Then it will wear six to ten times longer. The tough film of glow coat takes all the wear. The surface underneath is safe. The beauty of the linoleum is preserved and colors sparkle. And all of this is yours with practically no work because Johnson's glow coat is so easy to use. There's no rubbing or buffing. You simply apply and let dry. Remember the name, Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. Ladies and gentlemen, this is December 7th. It isn't a day we're going to celebrate, but it's a day we're going to remember. Our battleships at Pearl Harbor have stopped burning, but we haven't. So let's buy war bonds and more war bonds. This week and every week until Uncle Sam says, that's enough. And until he says it, it won't be. We've got a responsibility this Christmas, too. A responsibility to all our brothers and sons and fathers in service. It's our responsibility to give this Christmas a purpose. And that purpose is victory and security. So give bonds this year. The present with the future. Good night. Good night, all. The appearance of Navy personnel on this program does not constitute an endorsement of our product. The character of Mr. Wellington on this program was played by Ransom Sherman. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This program has come to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. This is Chicago, WMAQ. Well, look, isn't there some other part in this picture I could play? No, the only other woman is a scatterbrained little housewife, a sort of, uh, Gracie Allen. Well, I'd love to try that. <laughs> oh, no, I really would. Suppose I go over to Gracie Allen's house and watch her for a while. Then I could play a dizzy housewife perfectly. Well, are you sure Gracie's as dizzy in real life as she is on the air? <laughs> she married George Burns, didn't she? Uh-oh. <laughs> well, there goes my argument. Hello, Gracie. Well, I know, Peter. Come right in. Thank you. Oh, um, uh, do you know my husband? Why, yes, I saw your husband at a party a few months ago. Oh, sure, I remember. You you got there just as I started to sing. Yes. Did anybody stay for the second chorus? <laughs> yes, it was late. They kind of thinned out. Well, it's so nice to see you, Ida. Oh, thank you, Gracie. I'm here to ask your help. You see, I'm going to be a housewife, and I thought you might give me a little advice. Well, I'd be glad to, Ida. Hey, everyone, that's O.T.R. Rob, and that was Ida Lupino starring in this episode of Burns and Allen from December 7th, 1943. And Ida Lupino was born in London, England in 1917, and she was born into a theatrical family. Both her parents worked on the stage, and that's how she got the bug for acting. 
and she ended up going to New York to star in a stage play, and she ended up staying in the United States, and she was uh, with a number of studios, but primarily she was with Warner Brothers, but Warner Brothers around 1945 stopped giving her roles to do, so she actually produced projects that she was interested in, and she would put the bill for these small movies that she made, and she would direct them. And that's how Ida Lupino got into directing, and she would go on to directing a lot of television programs. One of them was uh, Have Gun, Will Travel. So Ida Lupino had a long career in show business. When she stopped acting, she just moved over into the director's chair. So enjoy this episode, and I'll be back with Red Skelton. Well, hello. Come right in. Oh, George, we've got company. This is Bill Goodwin, speaking for Lever Brothers, makers of Swan, the new white floating soap that's pure as fine castiles. Well, it's Tuesday night again, time for another pleasant visit with George Burns and Gracie Allen. We're broadcasting from the Naval Air Station on Terminal Island, California. And our guest is the lovely Ida Lupino. With Jimmy Cash, Felix Mills and his orchestra, and the Swantet. And now, meet the people who live in the Burns house, George and Gracie. Before we join the Burnses, let's look in at one of Hollywood's great motion picture studios, where a producer is discussing his new picture with the beautiful and talented star, Ida Lupino. I'm sorry, Mr. Atchison, but I just won't play the part. But it's a perfect part for you, Ida, a psychopathic killer who murders her husband. That's just the point. I've been a mad murderess in my last three pictures. People are starting to believe I really am one. Why, when I walk down the street, everybody yells, run for your lives, Lupino's loose again. <laughs> oh, but listen, Ida. Why, yesterday, I stopped my car to give three kids a lift. When they saw it was me, they ran screaming. Well, you know how children are. These were sailors. Oh. <laughs> when sailors run from me, things are really tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, isn't there some other part in this picture I could play? No, the only other woman is a scatterbrained little housewife, a sort of, uh, Gracie Allen. Well, I'd love to try that. <laughs> oh, no, I really would. Suppose I go over to Gracie Allen's house and watch her for a while. Then I could play a dizzy housewife perfectly. Well, are you sure Gracie's as dizzy in real life as she is on the air? <laughs> she married George Burns, didn't she? Uh -oh. <laughs> Well, there goes my argument. George. What? You want to know something? You're my great, big, strong, handsome dream lover. <laughs> what brought that on? Just love, dear. We're so different, you and I. I'm like a shy, timid gazelle, and you're like a big, powerful gorilla. 
Thanks very much. Every day I love you a little more. Do you love me? Oh, sure. Well, let me hear you say it then. I love you, I love you. Oh, no, no. Say it nice. Oh, Gracie. Say it nice, George. I love you, sweetheart. Ah. That, that's my little sugar face. I, I could never get angry at you, no matter what you did, darling. Good. Could you get angry at me no matter what I did? No. Ah, you're sweet. Anyway, we can easily get along without it for a few days. Without what? The car. I smashed it up this afternoon. You smashed up the car? Kinda. What do you mean, kinda? Mm, you know, kinda completely. Gracie, well, George, I... it wasn't my fault, honestly. This other car was parked at the curb with nobody in it, and I didn't see it until it ran into me. <laughs> A parked car with nobody in it ran yes, into you? Yes, Any telephone poles crossing the street at the time? <laughs> John. Look, Gracie, how many times have I told you that I... Coming. Hello, Gracie. Well, I know Peter. Come right in. Thank you. Oh, um, uh, do you know my husband? Why, yes, I saw your husband at a party a few months ago. Oh, sure, I remember. You, you got there just as I started to sing. Yes. Did anybody stay for the second chorus? <laughs> yes, it was late. They kind of thinned out. Well, it's so nice to see you, Ida. Oh, thank you, Gracie. I'm here to ask your help. You see, I'm going to be a housewife, and I thought you might give me a little advice. Well, I'd be glad to, Ida. George, you better leave the room. <laughs> uh, why? Well, this is woman talk. Run along now. Well, okay. I'll go down to the cigar store for a while. Oh, I'm so thrilled that you're going to be a wife, Ida. And I'm flattered that you came to me to learn the, well, the facts. The grace Now, I... we'll start right at the beginning with the birds and the bees. <laughs> birds and the bees? Yes. Now, there are two kinds of birds. The he-bird, known as the male, and the she-bird, known as the female. Exciting, isn't it? Oh, very. Well, now, when the male bird is young, he just whistles for fun. But as he gets older, he begins to whistle at female birds. <laughs> that is known as mating. Oh, Gracie, please. Oh, I know it's embarrassing, but there are things every young girl should do. <laughs> now, Ida, after they're married, the male bird brings home food known as worms. And the female sits on their children, known as eggs. <laughs> well, that's all. Well, thank you very much. And now, and now for the bees. Oh, no. Yes. There are two kinds of bees. He bees and she bees. <laughs> You're sure I'm old enough for this? Well, I hope so. Oh. Uh, hundreds of he bees hang around a she bee until she picks out the one she wants. That is known as selective service. <laughs> Gracie, I hate to say this, but the advice I wanted was a little more advanced. You mean you already knew about the birds and the bees? Yes. Oh, my goodness, you sophisticated Hollywood girl. <laughs> you, you see, Gracie, what I want to learn is... Come in. Oh, hiya, Gracie. I just dropped by to... Am I glad I did? Oh, um, Miss Lapino, this is Mr. Goodwin. 
How do you do? Well, this is a pleasure, Miss Lupino. I've always thought you were the loveliest, the most charming, the most delightful, the most talented. She's getting married soon, Bill. Oh. Well, uh, Miss Lupino, please don't tell Mr. Ickes what I just said. Mr. Ickes? Yeah, he hates to see oil wasted. Um, Bill, Ida came over to get the matrimonial advice. She already knows about the birds and the bees, and now she's ready for the advanced stuff. Oh, well, I'm your man, Ida. Move over. Yes. Bill's an authority. He's engaged to several girls. Go ahead, Bill. Well, first a girl wants to show her husband that she's thoughtful and affectionate. So the minute the ceremony's over, she should grab him around the neck... Yeah. ...and give him a great big bar of swan soap. Soap? Well, not just soap, Gracie. Swan, the new white floating soap. Now, that shows her husband that she's thoughtful, because swan is four soaps in one. Not only great for his hands and face, but great for dishes and light laundry. And later on for bathing the baby, you know. Swan's a great wartime buy. But her husband might prefer a kiss. Oh, well, well, that comes now, when he carries her across the threshold. Oh, oh, that's a romantic moment. Yeah. Remember when George carried me across the threshold, Bill? Yeah, well, I ought to. I helped him carry you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, well, anyway, Gracie, th- that's a girl's big moment. When her husband carries her across the threshold, she says, Don't put me down, darling. Carry me right into the kitchen and let's wash the dishes with swan. What? Well, he'll be delighted to find out that his little darling can make quick work of the dishes with swan's long-lasting suds. And at the same time, never have to worry about rough red dish panty hands. Because Swan is so mild and gentle. Oh, well, now, now run along, Bill. Ida and I want to talk. Well, okay. Uh, goodbye, Miss Lupino. You follow my advice and your husband will always love you. If he can see her for the sud. You'll <laughs> <laughs> see her all right. She, she's very pretty. Yeah, isn't she? Yes, sir. Every bit as pretty as the sud. Well, goodbye, girl. <laughs> now, Ida, where were we? Well, Gracie, before we go any further, let me explain that I'm not actually getting married. I'm just going to be a housewife in the picture. Oh, I see. And who's going to be your husband? Probably Charles Boyer. Oh. Well, I'm glad he's just going to be your husband in a picture. Why? Well, imagine George trying to explain the birds and the bees to Charles Boyer. <laughs> tenor Jimmy Cash with Felix Mills in the orchestra and another top ballad of 43, If You Please. If You Please, James. Did I see moonlight and magnolia trees Smile again, my darling, if you please again, my darling, if you please. Did I feel cool September rain just then? If you please touch my cheek with your hand again. When you are near me, I can dream with ease, and I'm yours, my darling, if you 
housewife in her next picture if she just watches Gracie in action. You see, Gracie, the housewife I'm going to play in the picture is, well, actually, she's you. Me? Yes. A- and Charles Boyer is George? Well, yes. <gasps> I knew it. I knew they'd do it. Sooner or later, I knew they'd do it. Do what? Well, they made Anthony and Cleopatra, Romeo and Juliet, and now George and Gracie. Gracie. The three great love affairs of history. And each one of them has an exciting climax for a picture. Cleopatra is bitten by a snake, Juliet drinks poison, and I marry George. I see the similarity. Oh, what a picture it'll be. Now, tell me more about your married life, Gracie. It'll give me some ideas of how to play this part. Well, now, I think one reason George and I are so happy together is that we have exactly the same likes and dislikes. Really? Yes. For example, I like to put my cold feet on his back, and he dislikes it. (laughs) I see. The same likes and dislikes. Yes. But what I really want to know is, how you handle George? Oh, well, now, the secret of keeping any husband happy is to show him that you appreciate his sense of humor. You know, laugh at all the funny things he says. Oh, does George say funny things? Oh, well, didn't you ever see him in Portugal? Yes, that's why I asked. (laughs) Oh, oh, he's terribly humorous. Honestly, sometimes he... Oh, look. Look, he's coming up the walk now. You just watch and I'll show you my technique. Hello, dear. Hello. Well, say something funny. Huh? <laughs> oh, that's awfully cute. <laughs> cute? Oh, adorable. Come on, entertain Ida some more. How? <laughs> oh, wasn't that clever, Ida? How? That's his imitation of an Indian. <laughs> I hate to say this, but I almost missed the point. Oh, you English people. <laughs> oh, but you you haven't heard anything yet. He does the funniest imitation of an owl. Who? That's it. <laughs> Is it marvelous, Ida? Hey, girls, uh, I'm going in to read the paper. But before I leave, I've got one that really make you scream. If... If Oh, well, sometimes they're even too subtle for me (laughs) Is he always that comical? Oh, no, sometimes he gets very blue and despondent And then, of course, I have to cheer him up Well, show me how you do that, Gracie Well, I... I've got a better idea You do it It'll be wonderful practice for your picture 
Say, it might be a bad. Well, sure. Just pretend you're me and cheer him up as I would. Say exactly what you think I'd say. All right. Yes. Yes, I understand, Harry. Thanks for phoning. Goodbye. Oh, hello, Ida. Well, I just had some good news. Gracie smashed up the car today, but the insurance company is taking care of it. Great, huh? Cheer up, George. <laughs> Huh? Let a smile be your umbrella. What? <laughs> Life is just a bowl of cherries. Life is a bowl... Happiness is a thing called Joe. What are you talking about? I know you have a silver lining. Just turn yourself inside out. <laughs> Do you feel all right? Ah, smile, George. Remember, it only takes four muscles to smile. But you use twelve when you frown. I'd have Or you would if you had that many muscles Now wait a minute How do you feel now? When you came in I felt great I knew you'd snap out of it You know something? You sound like Gracie Oh, thank you George Oh, Ida, that was just magnificent You were me right to your fingertips Except of course you're prettier <laughs> Oh, Gracie, you shouldn't say that. I have to. You're my guest. <laughs> well, anyway, thanks to you, Gracie, this is one picture where I won't have to be a psychopathic murderess. Oh, oh, is there a psychopathic murderess in the picture? Yes. What a perfect part for me. You? Sure. They're always beautiful, seductive women who wear slinky clothes. All I need is the slinky clothes. Well... <laughs> Gracie, you could never make anyone believe you're a murderer. Oh, no. Well, you just watch this. I'll pretend this glass of water is poison, and I'll go in and get George to drink it. But, Gracie... Shh. Gracie, what's the matter with that Ida Lupino? She acts like she's crazy. Really? <laughs> what, what was that? Here. Drink this water. Thanks. I think I need it. There. You want the rest of it? No. I'm too young to die. <laughs> to, to die? <laughs> what's, uh, what's funny? That water you drank was full of arsenic. Arsenic? Yes. I thought it was best that way. And Max is so messy. <laughs> you put arsenic in my water? Why not? It is ration. <laughs> what is this anyway? Well, sweetheart, don't you get it? I'm acting. I'm a psychopathic killer. Oh, this is murder. Of course. <laughs> oh, cut it <laughs> Time again for Felix Mills, his orchestra, and the Swantet, in a Mills interpretation of an old favorite, Sweet Rosie O'Grady.
must steady, lady, and almost everyone knows when we two are married, how happy we'll be. I love sweet Rosie O'Grady, and Rosie O'Grady loves me. course you wouldn't, Gracie. That's a pretty gruesome scene where she kills her husband so she can run away with a crooner. You see... Oh, is there a crooner in the picture? Yes. What a pretty part for George. Oh, Gracie, please not that. But George has a wonderful voice. You know how a bird sounds. Yes, but... Well, when George comes on the screen, you'll really hear the bird. <laughs> I can believe that. I've heard George sing. When? Oh, at that party. Yes, he... Sang a medley of Irving Berlin tunes, and by the time he got to All Alone, he was. Oh, but Ida, have you heard George sing since he had his adenoids taken out? Yes. Oh. Well, for the picture, he could have them put back in. No. I'm sorry, Gracie. I don't think George has the voice for the part. Well, I'm back. Come on in, Bill. Okay. Oh, George. George, wait till you hear the news. Ida's producer is coming by, and we're going to ask him to let you sing in her picture. Really? Now, Gracie, I didn't say that. Well, gee, Miss Lupino, you might at least listen to George. Gosh, he's great. Just give him a chance. That's all I ask. Thanks, Bill. Why, George can do Jolson, Cantor, Crosby, all of them. George, do that imitation of Jolson. <coughs> okay. You know, the one where you go, Swanee, Swanee, how oh, I love you. How oh, I love you, my dear old Swan Soap. You really fall, you really fall soft and wide. Now, Bill, let then me... you do your recitation like Jolson, George. You know, Swan. Swan's a new white floating soap, folks. Listen to me, folks. Mm. <laughs> it's a soap for your tub or shower for bathing the baby, folks. Mm. Or doing the dishes with a little old light laundry. Mm, mammy. Isn't he great, Ida? Bill, if you're just... Now, now listen to him do his imitation of Ted Lewis, Ida. Go ahead, do that one, George. Okay. Ah, why, my baby, bathe with Swan. Bill, why doctors recommend Swan for bathing the baby? It's pure as fine Castile's. And so mild, it's kind even to a little baby's tender skin. Now, Bill... And since it's so mild... <laughs> well, it's just swell for your hands and face, your complexion. Is everybody happy? No, no, nobody's happy. <laughs> Ida, listen, the kid is really great. Just listen to him. George, look, do that Bing Crosby imitation. Well, go ahead. Well, all right. Let you, me... you know, the one where you go, boo, 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 break it in two. Yeah. <laughs> Swan breaks in two so you can use 
half in the bathroom for your hands and face tub or shower, and half in the kitchen for your dishes and light laundry. I surrender, dear. <laughs> Isn't he great, yes, Ida? Yes, Bill. Now I'm going to do an imitation of the RAF, and you're going to be Berlin. <laughs> now take it easy, George. Out, I'm out, going. Out, go out, out, out. This guy's got a bar of soap where his brains ought to be. Dear, you go inside and limber up your voice. I'll call you when the producer gets here. Okay. I'm going to get a paper doll that I could call my own. <laughs> Gracie, let's face it, even that sample wasn't any good. Well, no. Gee, maybe he's getting a cold. He sang like he had a hog in his throat. <laughs> Most people say a frog, Gracie, but in this case, I think you're right. <laughs> Ida, I have some cough medicine here in the drawer that should cure him. Well, I hope this won't be too weak. It's only 2%. Only 2%? Yeah, 2% cough medicine and 98% alcohol. <laughs> 98% alcohol. Goodness, don't give him too much of it. Oh, alcohol won't affect George. He never drinks. <laughs> Ida, pardon me for just a few minutes. Here, George, drink this. What's that stuff? Cough medicine. I don't need any cough medicine. But, dear, you're what you want your voice to be in tip-top shape when Ida's producer gets there. Oh, all right. Let's have it. That's a good voice. Drink it all down. Ah, delicious, huh? That's awful. Well, you better have one more glass just to be safe. Hey, that's enough. I haven't got pneumonia. Here. And don't leave any. Hmm. Didn't taste so bad that time. <laughs> Say, I think I better have a little more. Never mind the glass. Just hand me the bottle. Here, dear. Thanks. Hmm. Awfully nice cough medicine. How do you feel now, dear? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> That's what I thought you said. Are you sure you feel all right? Better felt never. <laughs> huh? Never felt better. <laughs> What's the matter? Don't you understand, Lish? Is, is your throat all right? Fine. But I seem to have a little trummick stubble. Oh, oh, my goodness, what have I done? Oh, my, it's the producer. Well, fine, have him come in and produce. Oh. George! George, you stay here. Oh, no, I want to sing for the Purdue. <clears throat> Hiya, folks. I came in to sing for Mr., um, what's your name, bud? Atchison. But I hardly think this is the time to sing. Is that so, Mr. Attitude? Well, I resent your action. Oh, please, please excuse him. His throat is a little tight. Yes. <laughs> right down to his ankles. <laughs> Quiet, everybody. I'm going to sing. Mm, I'm going to get a dape of Paul that I could call my own. A Paul that other fellas cannot... <laughs> Goodbye, Gracie. Thank you, Ida. We must do this more often. Goodbye, Miss Atkins. Well, have to do this, darling. George, stop. If I come home each day. George, If I come home. Stop. Stop. Stop singing. Huh? You can stop now. They're gone. You mean to say he left? Yes. Gracie, I'll tell you a little secret. You know what I think? What? I think Mr. Atchison was as drunk as a goat. Oh, God. If I come home each day.
Captain George and Gracie again in just a second. Meanwhile, I'd like to remind you that when it comes to taking care of your complexion, nothing can take the place of soap and water. But you've got to make sure the soap you use is mild and gentle. So, you better use Swan. You know that Swan is mild. You know that because doctors recommend Swan for even a baby's tender skin. And you know that Swan is pure, too. Pure as fine Castile's. So why spend a fortune for fancy toilet soaps all wrapped up in fancy packages when you can get pure, mild swan and get four swell soaps in one? The soap for your complexion, for bathing the baby, for your dishes, and your light laundry. Swan, the new white floating soap that's in a class all by itself. Well, here they are again, that famous crooner and his ever-loving wife, Sugar Throat George and Gracie. <laughs> oh, George, guess who's going to be the guest star on our program next week? Who? Kay Kaiser. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, well... Oh, I'm so thrilled. Imagine meeting Kay Kaiser, the man who builds all those ships. Yeah. <laughs> you knocked them out in Boogie Woogie Temple. Yes. And now I'd like to take a moment to wish all the luck in the world to Frank Galen, one of my writers who's been with me for three years and who goes into the service tomorrow. All the best, Frank. Makers of Swan, the new white floating soap, join George and Gracie in inviting you to tune in to your Columbia station next week, same time, our guest, Kay Kaiser. Remember, George Burns and Gracie Allen, CBS, next Tuesday night. Tonight's program originated at the Naval Air Station, Terminal Island, California. And our thanks to Captain McGinnis for having us aboard. Insofar as the Navy does not endorse any product, this broadcast does not constitute an endorsement by the Navy Department. Now, the next Tuesday, this is Bill Goodwin saying, Well, I swan, how about you? Good night. I'm sorry to disappoint you, fat boy, but Skelton ain't here. <laughs> well, Clem Hopper, where's Skelton? Well, he went out scalping with Jack Cummings. What about the program? Who's going to give our show that zip that it needs? Well, here I am. <laughs> I'd like to get you on a slower boat to China. <laughs> What's the matter? My tonsils are riding piggyback all day. Let's not sing, Clem. We have the four nights to handle that part of the show. Well, I'm glad you stopped me because I was getting a little sick there myself. And besides, the, the words are, I'd like to get you on a slow boat to China, not slower boat to China. Yeah, it's a love song, ain't it? Yeah. You sing it to a beautiful girl? Right. Well, knowing me, I'm going to need a much slower boat. <laughs> I'd like to thank my relatives who gathered here to applaud. Why does Skelton pull tricks like this when he knows that we're on the air? Well, he's got the shop. This is the U-Tide. Y-O-U-T-I-D-E <laughs> That's Red Skelton portraying Clem Cadiddlehopper. Instead of Red Skelton coming out to start the show, his character, Clem Cadiddlehopper, comes out to talk to the announcer, Rod O'Connor, and uh, very funny. i let you know that by April of next year, in 2019, I'll be bringing you the Martin and Lewis radio program, because I want to keep up with the things that are unfolding during this time, and Martin and Lewis would make their debut in April of 1949, so that's going to be a lot of fun, and the writing is kind of tough on the Martin and Lewis show, they eventually would get some really decent writers on the show, but that wouldn't happen for another year, but it's going to be fun anyway, and I hope you'll enjoy it, so we're going to drop Red Skelton and 
Dwayne Martin and Lewis. And next season, I'll be bringing back the Great Gildersleeve at some point. I'm not sure uh, what time frame. I think the 1943 time frame, just to keep it all even. So enjoy this Red Skelton with Clem Cadillhopper. I'll be back next week. Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, and his orchestra, our singing stars, the Four Knights, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGee, and Susan Ellers, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. the Red Skelton Show, brought to you by Tide, Procter & Gamble's amazing new discovery for your whole family walk. Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap. Any soap? Yes, any soap. Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap. T-I-D-E, Tide. And now from Metro-Golden-Mare comes the star of our program, Red Skelton. Sorry to disappoint you, fat boy, but Skelton ain't here. Well, Cramkin Littlehopper, where's Skelton? Well, he went out scalping with Jack Cummings. What about the program? Who's going to give our show that zip that it needs? Well, here I am. <laughs> I'd like to get you on a slower boat to China. Please, uh, Clem, let's not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the matter? My tonsils are riding piggyback all the <laughs> Let's not sing, Clem. We have the four nights to handle that part of the show. Well, I'm glad you stopped me because I was getting a little sick there myself. <laughs> and besides, the, the words are, I'd like to get you on a slow boat to China, not slower boat to China. Yeah, it's a love song, ain't it? Yeah. You sing it to a beautiful girl? Right. Well, knowing me, I'm going to need a much slower boat. <laughs> Thank you, I'd like to thank my relatives who gathered here to applaud. Why does Skelton pull tricks like this when he knows that we're on the air? Well, he's got the shop. This is the U-Tide. Y-O-U-T-I-D-E. That little long commercial life, you know. Now, he's doing his shopping early, and I know what he's getting you. You do? Yep. What? Well, close your eyes. Okay. What do you see? Nothing. That's it. It's me. Every year he gives me something. This is what he gave me last year. Of course, I'm getting a little tired of it, you know. What do you mean you're tired of it? You haven't even unwrapped it yet. You suppose unwrapping? <laughs> well, of course you dope. The presents inside that fancy wrap box. Well, how long has this been going on? <laughs> Open it up. Well, what a surprise. No wonder Christmas never meant anything to me. <laughs> oh, now he shouldn't have done it. Imagine monogram toothpaste. <laughs> know my size. You know, Clem, you're about the most stupid person I've ever met. Oh, I can't be too stupid. Mortimer Snurd calls me professor. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, uh, shall we get into the script I have prepared? <laughs> you prepared a script? But, Clem, to appear on the radio, you must have talent and experience. Oh, I've had experience now in my class of uh, 46 while I was in school. Are you a college man? No, I slept in this suit. <laughs> I was um, reading the script in the hall and those doors. <laughs> I was just saying... Yes? Boy, the laughs are coming by carrier pigeons. <laughs> Forty-six, I was star of our fourth-grade presentation of Ivan the Terrible. You were Ivan? No, I was terrible. <laughs> here, now, you introduce me. We'll throw a fast joke at him right here. You know, jokes like this can make people start making their own soap, you know that? <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, MGM's Grand Moron, the star of our Procter & Gamble show, Clem Cadiddlehopper. Thank you and good evening. Well, Rod, 25 years ago, a funny thing happened to my mother on the way to the hospital. What? Hmm? I say, what happened on the way to the hospital? Me. I'm too fast for you. Just let me know. Maybe better play. Yes, any Wait soap now. Are you just talking to women who use soap? What about all of us who use the new sudsing discoveries? Lady, we're talking to you and every woman who isn't using Tide. Because Procter & Gamble's Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap, any other suds, any other washing product known. Yes, Tide leaves clothes free from dirt plus. Because Tide also removes dingy soap film. Yet with all this amazing cleaning power, Tide is truly safe for all your washable colors. What's more, Tide actually brightens soap dull colors, makes gay checks and plaids really come to life. And in hottest water, Tide gets white towels, sheets, and curtains dazzling, whiter than any other wash day product known. Tide keeps them white, too, week after week, never turns them yellow. So try Tide next wash day. Let your own wash line show you. No soap, no other suds. No other washing product known will get your clothes as clean as Tide. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here are the four knights who will sing a spiritual Little David play on your heart. Little David, play it on your heart. Hallelujah,
against each other. Oh, it ain't as hard as you think. <laughs> I'm going to fix them drinks. Uh, what you here for, ma'am? I'm a newspaper woman, and I'm here to get material for a story about the real cowboys of the West. Well, I'm a real cowboy, ma'am. Don't ask me which part's cow, though. <laughs> I'm mostly bull. I thought cowboys were bull-legged. Huh? I thought cowboys were bull-legged. How come you're not me? I got a very thin horse, ma'am. Well, here's your drink, Pickles. Now that'll be two dollars, did I? I never drank pickles before in my life. <laughs> Here's your tip, fifteen cents. Thanks. Now how about the two dollars? I hate money mad people. I say pay up. Here, Kate, now don't point that six shooter at me. How do you pay up for flusher? Or that hole in your head is gonna be twin. Well, maybe I could maybe I could make a deal with Tony. <laughs> I'll pay for the drinks. Oh, no, ma'am. You shouldn't have paid for them drinks. I can't allow a, a woman to pay for my bill. Then I'll take it back. Oh, no, 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 stranger. Don't do that. Just introduce yourself to me. <laughs> Say, what are you writing stories of? Why don't you write one about me? Oh, sorry, saddle bum. I'm here to write about Western heroes. Yeah? If I don't find any around here, I'll have to move on to El Paso. Heroes, huh? Now, look, ma'am, don't you go away. I'll be right back. Hey, Pat, come here, come here. Yeah, what is it? You go over to Wells Fargo and tell them that we're going to drive that stagecoach to El Paso. You drive and I'll ride shotgun. Right. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> Now's my chance to fix that cowboy with the figure eight head. <laughs> hey, did I? Where shall I put this Wells Fargo gold shipment? Put it up here under the driver's seat. Hey. Is it okay for passengers to climb aboard? Yes, ma'am. Here, let me help you into the coach. Oh, thank you. Oh, no, ma'am. Uh, you go first. <laughs> well, don't worry, ma'am. It's nice and warm inside the coach. <laughs> Are you comfortable? Yes, thank you. Let me know if I get heavy. <laughs> hey, Jedi, get up here with me where you belong. Okay, is everything all set? Yeah. Walter Kate rounded up some of the boys. No, she didn't. Yeah, she said, tell Dead Eye, I hope he has a sense of humor. Because I fixed up something that'll kill him. Are you okay down there, ma'am? Yes. Dead Eye. What's in the road? Ahead? No, read it again, guys. <laughs> Of hay. <laughs> what are all those men doing in the middle of the road? I don't know. They're probably the gas company. They're always tearing up something. <laughs> oh, here. No, it ain't, did I? It's highwaymen staging the holdup. Oh, oh, up there. Oh. This is a holdup. Go down that express box. Not so fast there, tall, fat, and ad libby. <laughs> I'm dead, I. What did you say? I said, I'm dead. <laughs> What's where you're shooting? You almost hit me that time. I said throw down that box. Well, don't yell at me. I got ears. Didn't I have? <laughs> hey, fellas, now make out like you're scared, will you? Now, when I say beat it, you run. Beat it. Don't run toward me. Hey, Dead Eye, you better hand over the gold box. They ain't kidding. Yeah, this is that vulture bait case work. That jealous old scarecrow. Look, I'm going to have to draw and slug these guys, only I can't find my gun. It's right there in your holster. Oh, killjoy. <laughs> Have you got your gun, did I? Yeah, I got it. I'm going to draw right now. Watch me let them have it. I'm going to liquidate them. Oh, 
Oh, I threw the wrong gun. Use mine. Thanks. Now I gotta shoot fast. Well, either that guy bounced or I got him all with one shot. I don't shoot. Yeah. Don't shoot. Give me a break. Yeah. I'm unarmed. Yeah. Gun, uh, Pat. Yeah. Put a gun in his what? <laughs> hey, Pat, put a gun in his hoister. Holster, will you? Yeah. <laughs> All right, partner. I'm going to count three and we'll both draw. Oh, no, I know you. You'll shoot before you say three. Oh, no, I'll be far and square about this. I won't shoot until I say three. Okay, Deadeye. He's got his gun. Ready? Three. <laughs> Two. One. <laughs> I can't help it if I'm back for it. <laughs> and now David Rose and his Procter & Gamble Orchestra play My Darling, My Darling. Well, well.
Say, lady, did you ever stop to figure out how many dishes you do in a day, a week, or a year? Well, it's 20. And it's a mighty good argument for using Tide. Because Procter & Gamble's Tide makes that big job of dishwashing ever so much easier and pleasanter. Yes, Tide washes dishes cleaner than any soap. And no soap cuts grease the way Tide does either. Why, Tide seems to make grease disappear completely. With Tide, there's never a trace of scum in the water. And there's no greasy ring round the pan. Tide gives you a heaping pan full of clean-feeling suds. Kind-to-hand suds. Suds that last amazingly, even in hardest water. And when you're through, you've got dishes and glasses that sparkle clear and bright, even without wiping. That's because Tide leaves no cloudy, dulling film. Yes, ma'am, you do a lot of dishes. So do yourself a favor and do them with Tide. And now, a page from the Mean Little Kid's Diary. The old philosopher Ed Sedgwick once said, Money can change people. Yeah, people get a few bucks and the simple things in life aren't good enough anymore. Why, they could even change Junior, the mean little kid. Mommy, mommy, mommy. I'm in here, dear. Where? Junior, what happened? I ran into the closet. <laughs> We're running around like a little madman. Yeah. Why can't you walk like anybody else? Because I'm trying out my new propeller beanie. <laughs> Mr. Reed, what? Here, here's the letter from an attorney, a Mr. Belcher. Oh, mother, what is it? <gasps> well, your hands are shaking. Yeah, well, you're acting like Grant does when he sees water. <laughs> your long-lost uncle, J. Putmore Felton, candy manufacturer, has named your junior his sole heir. Oh. We have to go up to the lawyer's office. Junior! Oh, my little darling! You are an heir. I know I'm an heir, but must you rub it in? <laughs> A relative I haven't heard from in years died. Well, maybe that's why you hadn't heard from him. <laughs> that might mean that you'll inherit a lot of money. Oh, I don't need any money. I've got a piggy bank, boy, and there i got at least 75 cents in it. Oh, 75 cents. Yeah. That's chicken feed. Well, you certainly raise cane when I start picking at it, aren't you? <laughs> we have to get down to the lawyer's office and find out about the estate. Now, go wash up. Wash up? I knew he was a catch to But, dear, don't you want to wash up so you can be rich? No, I'd rather stay dirty and be poor. <laughs> or why can't I be one of the filthy rich? We, we mustn't appear to be the lawyer. Oh, no. No, no, look, will one of you let go of my ear so my feet ain't touched the ground since we left house? <laughs> this must be the lawyer's office. Are you sure? Well, the sign on the door reads, Belcher, 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 and Belcher. Boy, what a spot for a bicarbonate sale. <laughs> Let's go in. Let's go in. Good afternoon. May I help you? We wish to see Mr. Frank Belcher, please. Well, you're early. Won't you have a seat, please? Mr. Belcher is busy right now. Oh, just say down, you Oh, Mommy, look, 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 now, won't you? Just one standing across his reindeer. He stuck his head right through the wall. Oh, that's not a reindeer. That's a stuffed moose head. That's a moose head? Is that what a moose look like? No wonder our cat never caught one again. <laughs> I just saw him blink. I, I'm going to shoot it with my slingshot. I'm going no, to Junior, me. you might hit the window. <laughs> oh, 
What do you mean I might? <laughs> now look what you've done. Little boy, get away from that open window. Look, I'm just going to look down to the street. Junior, girl. come away from that window. What's it's murder? 30 floors to the street. Oh. You might fall up and, and, and out and tie up all that. <laughs> pretty hard to do when you got that lower plate wobble, you know. <laughs> Well, what happens to me? Uh, uh, who would, uh, would inherit uh, my inheritance if something should happen to me? Why, your mother and me. I'm a dead duck now. Well, <laughs> these gals prepare my meals, too. You know? Mr. Belcher will see you now. Right through the door, please. Oh, Mrs. Belcher, I presume. Yes, Mr. Belcher. I'm Mrs. Belcher. Oh. And this dear, sweet little gentleman is my grandson, Junior. Oh, I see he's wearing a black band in mourning for your uncle. No, we're Republicans. <laughs> and this is Junior's mother, Mrs. Tuttle. How do you do? I'm sorry I kept you folks waiting. <laughs> Reading in this will won't take very long, only a few seconds. Oh, no. it's quite all right, Mr. Belton. Yes, yes, just start burping it out. I, Jay Putmore Felton, being of sound mind. Sound mind? I thought you said this guy was a relative of ours. Anybody in our family's nutty, nutty. I'm nuts, the whole family's nutty. <laughs> Last night, my grandpa came home, he put his pants to bed, and he hung over the chair all night. <laughs> oh, nuts. Yeah, go ahead, Murphy. Uh, <laughs> I, J. Putmore Felton, being of sound mind... Oh, you mind, can skip all that. Yeah, skip all of that. Oh, yeah, we yeah. nuts. We gotta get you... I do bequeath my entire estate, consisting of three million... Three million? Uh, mm. Did you hear that? Three million! My, I never knew there was that much money in the candy business. Maybe we can see what a steak looks like now, huh? Oh, come on, Mother. Please, folks, may I finish reading this will? Uh, later, my good man. The rest are just a tale. Well, why not? Next then... week will be fine. We have a lot of shopping to do. Shopping. Come on, Junior. Nuts. The whole family's nuts. Come on, Mother. Must we go shopping? I hate to think of mixing in all the milling, shoving crowd. Oh, you're right, dear. We'll just go home and shop by telephone. Oh, boy, yes, you get Junior, good. will you call us a cab? You're a cab. <laughs> well, I guess that means I'll have to sit in the front with a driver and keep turning the meter off when he ain't looking, huh? You do no such thing this time. Oh. Is this the right address, folks? Yes. What is the fare, driver? Yes. Ninety-eight cents. Well, here you are. You may keep the chain. Both pennies. <laughs> Here you are. But, but, madam, this is a ten. I know, but it's soiled. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, Junior. Nuts! The whole family's nuts! <laughs> well, good to be home. Good to be home. I never realized how shabby this place looked. Oh, don't worry, dear. We'll get the contractor started building a new home. Oh, boy. Oh, uh, you want to get busy on the phone, Lorene. I guess you'd better order a car first. Oh, oh yes, I'm going to order some silk sheets and some ermine pajamas. Whoa, what's that tickle? <laughs> hey, don't forget to get a new radio. Oh, get a new yes, radio. radio with yes. photograph and television composite. Television. Oh, good. And then we can watch Nemo when she rattles gorgeous joy. <laughs> You go find something to amuse yourself with. Well, look, I don't get any attention around here since you got the money. Hey, look, mommy, I'm walking on the couch with me dirty feet. Oh, well, Junior, it doesn't really matter. That couch is pretty well shot anyway. You mean I can jump on it, kick on it, try to pull the stuffings out of it and pull all the widow buttons out? If you want to, dear. Boy, you sure take your joy out of life. Stop interrupting us. Oh, Lorene, don't you think we should order some new flower vases, uh, vases? <laughs> <laughs> 
Broadcasting Company. The preceding has been... Radio Production. <laughs>